Chapter twenty seven of the Return of Doctor Fu Manchu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elaine Tweddle. The Return of Doctor Fu Manchu by Sax Romer. Chapter twenty seven. The Night of the Raid. Dash it all, Petrie! cried Smith. This is most annoying. The bell was ringing furiously, although midnight was long past. Whom could my late visitor be? Almost certainly this ringing portended an urgent case. In other words, I was not fated to take part in what I anticipated would prove to be the closing scene of the Fu Manchu drama. "'Everyone is in bed,' I said ruefully, "'and how could I possibly see a patient in this costume?' Smith and I were both arrayed in rough tweeds, and, anticipating the labours before us, had dispensed with collars and wore soft mufflers. It was hard to be called upon to face a professional interview dressed thus, and having a big tweed cap pulled down over my eyes. Across the writing-table we confronted one another in dismayed silence, whilst below the bell sent up its ceaseless clangour. "'It has to be done, Smith,' I said regretfully. "'Almost certainly it means a journey, and probably an absence of some hours.' I threw my cap upon the table, and turned up my coat to hide the absence of collar, and started for the door. My last sight of Smith showed him standing looking after me, tugging at the lobe of his ear and clicking his teeth together in suppressed irritability. I stumbled down the dark stairs, along the hall, and opened the front door. Vaguely visible in the light of a street lamp which stood at no great distance away, I saw a slender man of medium height confronting me. From the shadowed face two large and luminous eyes looked out into mine. My visitor, who, despite the warmth of the evening, wore a heavy greatcoat, was an oriental i drew back apprehensively then ah dr petrie he said in a softly musical voice which made me start again to god be all praise that i have found you some emotion which at present i could not define was stirring within me where had i seen this graceful eastern youth before where had i heard that soft voice do you wish to see me professionally i asked yet even as i put the question i seemed to know it unnecessary "'Still you know me no more?' said the stranger, and his teeth gleamed in a slight smile. "'Heavens! I knew now what had struck that vibrant chord within me. The voice, though infinitely deeper, yet had an unmistakable resemblance to the dulcet tones of Karamina, of Karamina whose eyes haunted my dreams, whose beauty had done much to embitter my years. The Oriental youth stepped forward with an outstretched hand. "'So you know me no more?' he repeated but i know you and give praise to allah that i have found you i stepped back pressed the electric switch and turned with leaping heart to look into the face of my visitor it was a face of the purest greek beauty a face that might have served as a model for praxiteles the skin had a golden pallor which with the crisp black hair and magnetic yet velvety eyes suggested to my fancy that this was the young antoninus risen from the nile whose wraith now appeared to me out of the night i stifled a cry of surprise not unmingled with gladness it was aziz the brother of karamina never could the entrance of a figure upon the stage of a drama have been more dramatic than the coming of aziz upon this night of all nights i seized the outstretched hand and drew him forward then reclosed the door and stood before him a moment in doubt a vaguely troubled look momentarily crossed the handsome face with the oriental's unerring instinct he had detected the reserve of my greeting yet when i thought of the treachery of karamina when i remember how she whom we had befriended whom we had rescued from the house of fu manchu 
now had turned like the beautiful viper that she was to strike at the hand that caressed her and i thought how to-night we were set upon raiding the place where the evil chinese doctor lurked in hiding were set upon the arrest of that malignant genius and all his creatures karamina amongst them is it strange that i hesitated yet again when i thought of my last meeting with her and of how twice she had risked her life to save me so avoiding the gaze of the lad i took his arm and in silence we two ascended the stairs and entered my study where Nayland Smith stood bolt upright beside the table, his steely eyes fixed upon the face of the new arrival. No look of recognition crossed the bronzed features, and Aziz, who had started forward with outstretched hands, fell back a step and looked pathetically from me to Nayland Smith, and from the grimmer commissioner back again to me. The appeal in the velvet eyes was more than I could tolerate unmoved. "'Smith,' I said shortly, "'you remember Aziz?' Not a muscle visibly moved in Smith's face as he snapped back. I remember him perfectly. He has come, I think, to seek our assistance. Yes, yes, cried Aziz, laying his hand upon my arm with a gesture painfully reminiscent of Karamina. I came only to-night to London. Oh, my gentlemen, I have searched and searched and searched until I am weary. Often I have wished to die, and then at last I come to Rangoon. "'To Rangoon,' snapped Smith, still with the grey eyes fixed almost fiercely upon the lad's face. "'To Rangoon, yes. And there I heard news at last. I hear that you have seen her, have seen Karamina, that you are back in London.' He was not entirely at home with his English. "'I know then that she must be here too. I ask them everywhere, and they answer yes. Oh, Smith, Basha! He stepped forward and impulsively seized both Smith's hands. "'You know where she is. Take me to her.' Smith's face was a study in perplexity now. In the past we had befriended the young Aziz, and it was hard to look upon him in the light of an enemy. Yet had we not equally befriended his sister, and she— At last Smith glanced across at me, where I stood just within the doorway. "'What do you make of it, Petrie?' he said harshly. Personally, I take it to mean that our plans have leaked out. He sprang suddenly back from Aziz, and I saw his glance travelling rapidly over the slight figure as if in quest of concealed arms. I take it to be a trap. A moment he stood so, regarding him, and despite my well-grounded distrust of the Oriental character, I could have sworn that the expression of pained surprise upon the youth's face was not simulated, but real. Even Smith, I think, began to share my view, for suddenly he threw himself onto the white cane rest-chair, and still fixedly regarding as is. "'Perhaps I have wronged you,' he said. "'If I have, you shall know the reason presently. Tell your own story.' There was a pathetic humidity in the velvet eyes of Aziz, eyes so like those others that were ever looking into mine in dreams. As glancing from Smith to me, he began— hands outstretched characteristically, palms upward and fingers curling, to tell in broken English the story of his search for Karamina. It was Fu Manchu, my kind gentleman. It was the Hakim, who is really not a man at all, but an Ifrit. He found us again less than four days after you had left us, Smith Basha. He found us in Cairo, and to Karamina he made the forgetting of all things, even of me, even of me. Nayland Smith snapped his teeth together sharply, then. "'What do you mean by that?' he demanded. 
for my own part i understood well enough remembering how the brilliant chinese doctor once had performed such an operation as this upon poor inspector weymouth how by means of an injection of some serum prepared as karamina afterward told us from the venom of a swamp adder or similar reptile he had induced amnesia or complete loss of memory i felt every drop of blood recede from my cheeks smith i began let him speak for himself interrupted my friend sharply they tried to take us both continued aziz still speaking in that soft melodious manner but with deep seriousness i escaped i who am swift of foot hoping to bring help he shook his head sadly but except the all-powerful who is so powerful as the hakim fu manchu i hid my gentleman and watched and waited one two three weeks at last i saw her again my sister karamina but ah she did not know me did not know me aziz her brother she was in an arabia and passed me quickly along the sharina and nazim i ran and ran and ran crying her name but although she looked back she did not know me and she did not know me i felt that i was dying and presently i fell upon the steps of the mosque of abu he dropped the expressive hands wearily to his sides and sank his chin upon his breast and then i said huskily for my heart was fluttering like a captive bird alas from that day to this i see her no more my gentlemen i travel not only in egypt but near and far i see her no more until in rangoon i hear that which brings me to england again he extended his palms naively and here i am smith basha smith sprang upright again and turned to me either i am growing over-credulous he said or aziz speaks the truth but he held up his hand you can tell me all that at some other time petrie we must take no chances sergeant carter is downstairs with the cab you might ask him to step up he and aziz can remain here until our return End of chapter twenty seven recording by elaine tweddle stirling ontario